Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Desks and Dorks. I am Kyle Lott, joined, of course, by my lovely co-host. I'm Riley Parks. And if this is your first time on the podcast, welcome. A little bit of, of a breakdown about what it is that we do here. So on Desks and Dorks, I am a game designer. Riley, pa- Riley Parks is a podcaster. I almost called you Riley Podcaster. Um, Riley Parkcaster is a Parks. Riley Parkcaster. Uh, so the way that this worked out, I am a game designer. Riley Parks is a podcaster. I went to my friends both in the industry and uh, without of the industry, and I asked them for their craziest game ideas. We have put them all into a giant March Madness style bracket, and Riley and I every week make a single pitch, and you, the viewer, get to vote on which of those two pitches you would like to see advance. At the very end, Riley and I are going to ter- take whatever game whatever theme, and we are going to make it a reality and bring it all to you. And that's basically the general gist of it. And so today we've got some really exciting games. But before we begin into the games, Riley, do you want to announce some of the winners of our last section of brackets? I will indeed. And as always, you can always check out the Season 1 bracket um, on our desksanddorks.org. You can just even Google us and you'll find the website right there. It's linked through all of our social media. Um, But we had... In episode six, way back then, I mean, that was so long ago, we had educational, or as I dubbed it, chain smoke your problems away, versus bugles, the game where you play with your food. Um, and bugles actually won out, surprisingly. Was it Educational was it a, had a lot of popularity. Was it a sweeping victory? It was a 60-40. Okay, so not, not a sweeping victory. So it was a, it was a hard-fought victory on bugles' part. It was. I mean, it definitely, like, there was enough that if one or two more people had voted over for educational, we still, Bugle still would have won. But, like, it was close. Yeah. I you see. know, it, it was close enough that if we had had a couple different p- listeners, it could have been completely different. Yeah. I, uh, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I am, I'm very sad that the those two games wound up getting paired in the bracket so early on because those were two of our strongest contenders, I think, for like my favorite yeah. game of, of of all of our games. Not that I don't love any all of our games, but man, those were some oof, those were some strong ones. Well, the thing to remember um, is, and you pitched it last time, and I pitched Bugles, but educational was the first game idea I had ever come up with. Yeah, and I don't just mean for the podcast; I mean ever. <laughs> yeah. So that I that that meant a lot to me. So I definitely agree that it was sad to see it go, but. That's how it goes. I think that was one that we were able to workshop though into something really special by the end of it. So, I mean, first I first uh first pitch or not, first design or not, I think that was pretty great. So, all right. So, Bugles wound up taking it. It's no surprise. I think Bugles was a was a huge runaway fan favorite for a lot of reasons, but uh what was next? All right. So, episode 7, um I had pitched Wheelchair World and you had Unsocial Network, and again with a 60/40 split, Unsocial Network took it out. That's not surprising. I, I think Wheelchair World was a really cool concept, but uh, it was a great concept, but it was a very weak pitch. It was not a good basis. I will one hundred percent agree with that. It was just I was trying to go, I think, the wrong route for the type of game because I had never even seen a puzzle game before. So now that I have a little bit of different uh concepts, it definitely could have been made to something, but I'm glad to see Unsocial Network go. Yeah. I, I- want to see those in posts i think people are uh, i think people are really drawn to party games too which i think actually wound up working in unsocial networks uh favor i think a little bit more so than something a little more esoteric like a puzzle game like a like a wheelchair world so but what All is right. next we had season 
2008 with a crushing victory. Um, crushing. Uh, your game about essentially playing Clue while actually being in high school. Um, just completely wrecked tickets to the space race. Ticket to ride, but, you know, up above. In space. space. So, yes, that was a ridiculously huge gap. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's going to be interesting to see how crushing goes forward. There's a lot of people really excited for it. And honestly, I kind of am, too. So we're going to see. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what we turn that one into. That was of all of the pitches I've done. I think that was the one where I was like. Man, I, I don't like I like usually when I pitch, even if I know I'm going to lose, I feel like I'm in like a, a good space. Like I usually feel like good about what I'm pitching. That was one where I was like, God, I, like, I felt like at the end of that episode, I was like, I did not do that game justice. I felt like I did a horrible job. I've, you, you did great. And it clearly shows. Uh, apparently, apparently people were really interested in, in uh, crush deduction. So. All right, what else is on our docket for the winners of our All last right. couple brackets? Last in that bracket um, was your Cut the Fish, Fish Assassin game uh, versus Red Panda Redemption second kick in. And um, now that was the second, um, second level of a game. It was educational, and then we went to Red Panda. Obviously, educational did not make it out of its second round. But Red Panda Redemption will continue on, and Cutlay Fist is sleeping with uh, itself. I, 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 yeah, I think the, the the real-time nature of that game, I think, wound up setting a couple people back, and they were like, you know, they, they didn't like the fact that you had a time limit on pitches, which is fair. And, I, I could well, we had talked about that a little bit. Yeah, like, when we were playing it, like, you, you need to extend the time for the people and kind of look at it a little bit more. Yeah. But we'll see. You never know what the future holds with Cutlay Fish. Could, could come back season to- two we could either get brand new ideas or we could even have some people send in you know revote for like the top two of their favorite old ideas and revive, throw those in the mix revive too revive the dead pitches only like two but yeah yeah I mean, enough I, I, I could i could definitely see us like bringing maybe like up to four of them back because there, there were some ones that i think were definitely worth exploring i think the rest of the way um yeah all right but with that out of, out of the way though let's stop talking about pitches that are either completely fallen or are still uh, still in the running, but are, are not competing today because it's all about the pitches that we've got today. Um, if I was a movie producer making an acapella film about an all-girls choir, I could say, we're back, pitches. That is a pitch-perfect reference. Nailed it. Yes, it was. Uh, we've got two fantastic games. I am going to be pitching a game called Raising Cain, um, which is one of the puns that I am probably the most proud of so far on this channel slash this podcast. Uh, so raising King was actually, so much. I hate your dedication to it. you know, listen, at the very least, you know, I'm dedicated. Yeah. At least I'm dedicated to something. So raising cane was actually pitched to me by my, my brother's girlfriend by her brother. Um, he was like, man, it would be really cool to give us, um, a, a sort of game where everyone is attempting to raise this kid and really strange and stressful stuff is happening all around you and it turns out that that kid is in fact um the uh, is in fact a deity uh, of some kind a cult deity um and that one of the players is actually a, a person an individual from that cult who has sort of infiltrated the group that is attempting to raise this kid um and they're trying to capture that child basically and bring them back to the cult uh that is the extremely ne- the extremely interesting pitch that 
uh, the two of us were able to talk out because he had some scattered ideas and we sort of, I sort of helped him, I guess, like not focus them down, but sort of managed to, to coalesce a whole out of, uh, he sent me like a whole, like, I mean, it was like a 16 paragraph, like Facebook DM essentially of like, he's like, dude, I have this idea. And I was like, listen, that's way too much for me to work with. Let's, let's narrow it down into something. So from that, that pitch idea, Again, what I'd like to do is I, I really have been playing around with a lot of one-shot role-playing games lately, and I think this would actually lend itself to a very similar to that sort of genre. I would like to see this be a one-shot role-playing game. Um, where Almost like a everyone is John kind of feel, where yes. obviously you're di- different people, whereas everyone is John, you're the same. But you literally, you have those specific ideas and opportunities and skills in that game and then kind of go from there. Right, so something along the lines of like Fiasco or Dread or like everyone is John. Um, But in this instance, everyone is going to play a single member of the family. So we're going to have just, again, going to be like that typical, I I really want to set it in the 50s. I think that'd be hysterical. So it's like the the classic Happy Days style family, right? Mom, dad, uh, little Johnny, maybe like an older brother or older sister. So we could do a younger brother, younger sister, older brother, older sisters. You could mix and match as you choose. Um, and then like an elderly figure of some kind as well, either a grandma or a grandfather or maybe a great uncle, whatever. Um, and you are attempting to raise this child. So what's going to happen is I have it over a series of five rounds. Um, at the beginning of each round, something strange is going to happen. And then the level of strangeness is actually going to be jacked up and grow as the rounds continue to develop. So, for example, in round one, um, maybe the kid begins to secrete frozen yogurt from their fingertips. Um, Very strange, very troubling, but not all that hard to deal with. You know, maybe you tape Tupperware dispensers or tape Tupperware containers to the kid's hand so that the frozen yogurt goes somewhere. Maybe you manage to put him in like one of those little kiddie pools. And so like the frozen yogurt that he secretes just kind of goes there as opposed to going all over your house. But every act, it's going to ratchet up in tension. So in round one, whatever he was doing in round one is actually going to be done. And then whatever he's doing in act two or or round two, whatever you want to call it, uh, is going to ratchet up in tension. So for example, in round two, now maybe all of a sudden everywhere he goes there is a council of like 16 fully grown football sized rats that follow him. They don't do anything. Um, They don't attempt to hurt or harm anybody unless they attempt to block them from the child. Um, If they attempt, like if you attempt to lock the child away from the rats, the rats will gnaw through whatever enclosure and they'll just kind of sit in a semicircle. And maybe that's like round two, right? So we're going from vaguely funny and kind of inconvenient to almost Old Testament, oh my gosh, it's raining locust from the skies level of like deity stuff to happen. Uh, at the beginning of each game, everyone is going to be going to pick a role. So again, you could be the mom, the dad, uh, either one of the siblings or the elderly caretaker figure. Um, but there is going to be a deck of cards. There are going to be individual goals um, or individual quirks. So for example, Uh, You don't know if you're going to get a goal or a quirk. Those get randomly shuffled at the beginning of the game. So you could have a quirk like um, always wants to like play sports with the child. So, for example, maybe you're, you know, that strapping older brother Johnny and you just want to throw the old pigskin around in the back. But you're like just chucking this football at like this like six month old kid. And maybe the rats keep trying to catch it. Um, That could be like your particular quirk. But one player, instead of getting a quirk or a goal, is going to get the trader card. 
uh, and that character for whatever reason or whatever, I, I guess whatever circumstance has become a member of that cult and their secret mission is sort of activated and their mission is uh, throughout the role playing during one of the five rounds to attempt to bring the child back to the cult in some way, shape or form. Um, so this is not a game that I think anybody is going to win. Um, if you've played Fiasco or if you've played Dread, um, or if you've played, especially if you've played those games with me, you'll know that I'm a huge fan of games where there's not really a clear winner. It's more like, you know, how, how badly did we either avoid losing or how, how great was the blaze of glory that we went out in? So this is one of those games where I, th I think everyone is going to be dealt a raw deal by the very end of it. Um, no matter what their quirk, no matter what their goal is, being in close proximity to the child is very dangerous. And so inevitably that's going to cause some problems for whoever is near them. Um, and even if the cult quote unquote wins, bringing this child back to the cult is inevitably going to cause the cult's destruction um, no matter what happens. So that's my very, 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 not, not very simple, but that's my, my first level of a pitch um, for raising Cain. I, I, I think, I think I like the setting more than anything else. I think I, well, not more than anything else. I like the setting a lot. And I think that sort of like wholesome happy days esque fifties aesthetic combined with this dark cult child, I, it lends itself to a role-playing game with a lot of both black humor. The we'll call it the role-playing game of black humor and black magic. That's going to be, that's going to be our tagline. I think that's my pitch for raising Kane. I enjoy it. Um, I'll be honest with you. I would never, I would, I would not buy the game if the logo is, or if like the front page is not, you know, Uncle Johnny throwing a football at a six-month-old while a rat like tries to intercept it. In my I'm head, just putting that out there right now. I mean, so you're saying you would or you wouldn't buy it if that oh, was if the cover? That was not the logo. I'm just no, like if that's okay. not on the cover. Nope. Cause, cause or at it, least like on one of the like maybe on the back page. It could be the back. Has to be in color though. Has to be a nice colorful oh, print, like, like somewhere very. In my well. head, and there's no way we could be able to afford this, but in my head, we've gotten the the character artist for the the. There's a wonderful little Xbox game called Destroy All Humans. I don't know if you've ever played it or not. Oh gosh, yes. Yeah, I want that person doing our art. I love that, like that super bright, happy neoprene neon colored '50s big hair, big expression aesthetic. Uh, just juxtaposed with this incredible supernatural stuff. I, I like, oh God, like just thinking about this game makes me really happy because I, I that, that combination of stuff, like poodle skirts and ancient curses, roller rinks and horrific, you know, Cthulhu-esque deities. Like I, it's just, it's just, it's a slam dunk in my mind. I, I love that. Oh yeah. I want to get that character author and I want to just be like, here's a blank check. Make us like, you know, 25, 30 unique art pieces. Raising Cain. Find it at a game store near you. Gosh. Yeah, that that's a budget that we probably wouldn't have, but you never know. But yeah, no, I I love the idea of it. Um, and definitely, I mean, it's a great first pitch for it. Like, it definitely has a lot to be expounded upon, but you have the basics that what you need to get it started. Yep. Um, and like you said, I mean, those those games are great because they're cheaper. You don't have to worry about like a bunch of character sheets and spending 20 minutes making a character and having 30,000 sets of die and using minis. It kind of, everything is there. And if you play like that random aspect with the card where like it already has the built in kind of quirks and goals, uh, it also makes setup so much quicker. 
Yeah, that's the one thing that I've actually really been enjoying about one shots so much. Because uh, obviously, I DM, I DM every week. I DM once a week over at Let's Play Games and Hobbies. But the the one thing that I really thoroughly have been enjoying about, um, about the one shot potential is like you don't need four hundred books and eighteen artisanal dice sets to make it work. Now, don't get me wrong, like I, I love those things. Um, I I think they're incredible. And I absolutely adore them, but you know, it's, it's nice to be able to spend $20 or $15 on a particular game and just get that book and be done with it and know that that's all that I'm going to need to have a really compelling time. And, and I think the one thing too, that I enjoy about one shots and particularly about raising cane is in my head, this doesn't go beyond two hours and that's exactly where I'd like it to be. I imagine that is very much the epitome of a 15 to 20 minutes per player. Yeah. Like if you have two, if you have, you know, a storyteller and the one player, you're looking at about 30 minutes. Right. If you three players and the storyteller, you're looking at about an hour. Yeah. Um, That kind of thing where obviously it depends if you're playing with, you know, eight people. It might take you three hours, yeah. two, three hours, but it has the potential to be a shorter, quicker game. And again, there's minimal prep work. I mean, you pretty much throw a setting up with a couple basic points, you know, like a guide for kind of certain types of goals and certain, you know, ideas for the levels and the um, the different rounds, so to speak. Like you mentioned, you know, with the pudding fingers and then the rat um, entourage, that kind of thing. Yeah, and, and that's another thing, too, that I think is really important about those, about this particular game, you know, in, in the sea of one-shots. Like, you don't even need a location, necessarily. Like, in my mind, I mean, you could definitely have a location, right? Like, this could happen, like, you could go from, like, the roller rink to the sock hop to the soda fountain to, like, your local church youth group, whatever. You know, all of those small-town 50s-esque things. But this could be a game that's just self-contained in this one just poor unsuspecting family's house. Yeah. Um, it all depends on the, the storyteller, um, and the players and what they want to do and how they want to do it. Yes. So, yep. Yeah. No, I think that's, it's a great light role-playing game, which is hugely popular right now because role-playing games are a perfect escape. And right now a lot of people are looking for that. So I think it's yeah. a great idea. I love it. All right, so, so Brian, going away. Tell us, yes, tell us about our next games. game. All right, so our next game is lovingly dubbed Jeremy Quest, Jeremy a Quest. game where you play as Jeremy. Because um, I try not to yell last names. I don't know if it matters. So, uh, uh, but so a game Jeremy, where you play the, as Jeremy. The Jeremy in reference factor. here to to give some the folks at home a little bit of context uh, is my best friend from high school. We've known each other since we were fourteen. Uh, this is my friend Jeremy Clunk, um, who is a mechanic. That is what he does for real. This show was. Or not this show. Uh, this idea was suggested to us by another friend of the show, um, my friend Katie Reebuck, uh, who just got married and has gone to many game nights with Jeremy. Um, and Jeremy has sort of become like, a, a, much like the child in Raising Cain, a, a sort of cult deity in his own right uh, to some of our friends. Um, so much yeah. so that she suggested this game, which I'm now going to let Riley pitch. Yes. So it is a puzzle game where you work in a pretzel factory and you have to fix all of the machines um, as they break and you have to deal with any and all situations that come up. Um, 
So with that, we'll see if I have any more knowledge with puzzle games now versus like wheelchair world. But essentially, it could be an example such as, oh, no, um, the because we're not naming where he actually works, but to reference other games, um, you know, the bugles just got stuck and suddenly got motors inside of them and are pod racers. How is Jeremy going to fix it? Um, and I'm thinking very much like you have specific um, problems that come up, certain scenario cards and certain kind of components. And with these three components, well, I take a screwdriver and I use my screwdriver and my trusty pet warehouse rat, uh, Jer- Jeremiah. Jeremy's Jeremiah. Jeremiah the warehouse rat. Um, And between the two of them, we actually just get all of the motors duct taped together, and then now he has a new Segway, so he can get around to the machines quicker. Something such as that. Just a super basic, simple, lighthearted... Didn't get a chance to really come up with as many of the great ideas as I would love to, but just out-of-the-world ideas that fit a deadpan humor such as Jeremy. Yeah. Uh... For the again, this is one of those games that like it's it's weirdly specific. Um, it is not, extremely specific, and it's it's a very niche market of like three people. You know, <laughs> you know what though? I'm okay with it. So the, and a couple things like is that it? Am I allowed? Am I allowed to begin the suggestions? Yeah, I mean it's a super basic idea. It's one of those things where it's it's actually I would have to like start building mechanics to go much further. Yeah. Sadly, I did not have a chance to. do It's been a very hectic week. You know what? Work, so I, that is that I'm is perfect. a-okay, my friend. Um, this is one of those games I think that I really, mm, excuse me, that I could see being potentially like uh, Lords of Waterdeep. Um, so in my in my brain, yes, more like a worker placement game. So in my mind, it's called Jeremy Quest um, because Jeremy decides that uh, he's he's too stressed at work, um, and so he's going to clone himself, and so rather than just like one Jeremy, this entire game is all about the horde of Jeremy clones that go out into the, into the work facility. Um, and Jeremy sort of has to wrangle them in order to, um, you know, to, to, to meet the demands of his work day. That's really happening. Box of Jeremy's. Exactly. Just where uh, it's half replacement, half puzzle game, all Jeremy all the time, all Jeremy all the time. And that, that is exactly what I want about this game. Like that's, that is, that is the thing that I, I absolutely desire. Cause I, I just, I feel like it'd be really interesting to have like, so obviously you're responding to these problems and you're managing your, your worker placement aspects, but we don't have a worker placement game where the workers are in open revolt. And this could be potentially one of those games, right? Where you're like, you try to put a Jeremy clone into one of those spots and they're like, no, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't want to go there. I don't want to fix the the bugle machine for the ninth time this week. And, and you can't make me. And you're like, well, yeah, I can. I'm, I'm the prime Jeremy, but they're like, but I'm also Jeremy. Um, so in my mind, I, I just, I have this image of Jeremy quest being a thing where you juggle the, um, where you, like where you juggle the, the constantly occurring problems that come with working in a snack food factory. Uh, and, the the willful desires of your own clones. <laughs> I, I I just like to imagine that all four of you play as Jeremy. Yes. Or however many you know the two to four players that play, you're all just Jeremy wrangling in the clones, and essentially it's the different shifts and the different days. 
but it's all happening simultaneously because Jeremy accidentally engineered a time traveling machine. Yes. So he created clones and just four of himself that aren't clones. They're just different Jeremy's. Yep. Yes. That, that, that's what I want. This is, this is the game. This is the game that I desire. I, and also are there, there's like, I mean, I don't know a lot of these games, so you could tell me, but are there worker placement games that are also puzzle games? You know, in many like, ways, I feel like I feel like every I feel like every worker placement game is a puzzle because the best worker placement games, and this is what man, that's we, true. We gotta, man, we I gotta bring a couple worker placement games into the game store for you to try out, especially before my my school year gets totally insane. Because the big puzzle with every worker placement game, right, is that you you can never do everything you want to do in a given turn. Nope. Um, we just started playing that new Harry Potter house cup challenge. Yes. Which is one of the only actual worker placement games I've ever really played. And um, it's not really, it's just getting resources and spending resources. Right. But that's the thing about worker placement games too, is you really just need. Yeah. You, you really totally need to just have, if that's the big puzzle, that's the huge, that's the huge puzzle is I, I can't do everything that I want to do or everything that I need to do in a given turn so something is going to hit the fan and I, I just need to figure out either what I let hit the fan or what, what can I do with the actions or the workers that I have been, that I have been given. Um, and I think that's kind of the, the important thing. All right. I can get down with that. Sorry for the little bit of a lackluster pitch. No, Appreciate right. that, uh, listen, man, feedback with that one, but definitely making it a, I just enjoy the hybrid of it. I, I just mean like legitimately two games in one. You straight up worker placement meets puzzle game. Yeah. And that's, and that, that I think hasn't been done before. I think that would be particularly interesting. So, yeah. but we both. with that in mind, we've pitched both games. So you, you know what time it is, Riley. I do. It's time for us to let everyone know that we are on all of your favorite podcasting sites. The one that you're currently listening to, which may or may not include Spreaker, Pandora, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, respectively. Uh, Listen Notes, iHeartRadio, Geo Siobhan, YouTube. Um, we are now effectively on aluminum can, still working on the tin can connection. Still, still um, and we're still working on the Rosetta Stone, um, yes, uh, we are on the Rosetta Stone. You just have to find it first. Yes. Uh, so if you if you ever need to, you know, go to, go to one of the big uh, anthropology museums. We are on the Rosetta Stone. Um, I, I believe part of one of our, our the transcripts for one of these podcasts is actually set into the base of the the inscription on the Sphinx. Um, it's actually um, fun fact uh, the Sphinx inscription because we we don't really mention it a lot. Our first failed episode with the audio issues is actually completely transcribed start to finish on the bottom, on the bottom of the Sphinx. On the bottom of the Sphinx. Yes. It's actually in his back left foot. Yes, that's true. That's fair. You know, the, the Sphinx was actually a really big part of one of our first games. Um, uh, well, you know, Kung Fu ferrets, actually, we started very large scale. Um, so we actually took over Egypt for a small time um, to use it as a, um, and then, the raccoon actually was living on the moon for a short period of time. Yes, very true. But uh, we're on all your favorite podcasting sites, so yep. if you are a fan Check of us out on Twitter, at Desk Storks, 
Check uh, us out on Facebook. Ask I've been and posting dorks. a ton of really fire board game memes, by the way, on or just memes in general. Um, just oof, just some some fire memes on the on the Twitter page. So if you're a fan of those, you can totally check us out on Twitter. I man, I wish I saw this connect four chainsaws meme, and then I would have just thrown chainsaws into the mix today. <laughs> there we go. Uh, and if you need any context with that, you have to go to Twitter and check it out. I'm not giving anyone any more context. Nope. That's all we can get. That's, that's how you lure them in. Is this... Is this and as always, vote for your engage? favorite... Is this how, what did is you this say? How, is this how is we this engage how with fans? Is this, I, is this how to engagement? I think so. I mean, we've already engaged with fans via the Facebook page and Facebook Messenger. Shout out to We've Caitlin. had fans engage with us. Yeah, yes. shout, shout out to Caitlin, one of our brand new fans who who just was our first person to reach out to us over Facebook. Man, it's really it's always really cool. Just it's yeah, it's just it's cool. Yeah, someone that we had absolutely zero not like um, relationship with prior to the live our second live show. That's true. Our our second live show, and then the the cool part is, um, we're we're probably gonna do another another live show hopefully soon at some point. I have no idea. We haven't planned that yet, but you never know what the future holds. It'll happen. Yeah. They haven't kicked us out of the game store yet, so I think it'll it'll happen. The live shows seem to get a lot of enjoyment. Yeah, I was gonna say at, at this point. Um, yeah, at, at this point, if they haven't kicked us out of the store yet, then they definitely won't. But Riley, you tried to get away from it. Sadly, <laughs> you cannot. It's time for the random question at the end of every episode, folks. This is one of my All favorite right. parts of the podcast. It might be my favorite part of the podcast. Where I attempt to give Riley a non a non game related question. All right, are you ready, Riley? I am. Okay, so uh, you have just been cursed by a wizard. Okay. Okay. Uh, cursed. You, your your, bo- your body, mind, soul, and personality um, have been transported from our world um, into the world of Zootopia. What is the first thing that you do? Oh man, eat a paw print like a uh, popsicle. Ah. Dude, I totally forgot about the paw print popsicles. Dude, that's literally like 15 minutes of the movie. I mean, I've, I, I haven't even seen the movie, but I assume it is. I, have I seen the movie? No, I don't know if I have. I feel like Miranda <laughs> has definitely made you watch the movie before. I, I haven't watched the entire thing, but I definitely know that there's a paw print popsicle thing. And Shakira is an antelope in the end. Yes, but she I is. most assuredly get one of those paw print popsicles. They do look uh, really refreshing, actually. Yeah, and they're not ice cream, so there's no dairy, so that's always great. There it's completely uh, as long as you don't have issues with sugar, they're for everyone. Yep, that's that's. Um, and then after that, I would probably just go visit the Russian polar bear mafia. You know, that's not a bad idea. I think on the topic of Shakira being an antelope, um, yeah. I, I actually think that that would be my first. That'd be the first thing that I would love to see antelope Shakira live in concert. I mean, that's honestly fair. Like, I think that's, I don't blame you whatsoever. I mean, I'm not, that's on the list. One of it's like my, number seven. One, one of the, the little known facts about me is that I'm actually a, a huge Shakira fan. I mean, your hips do not lie, so it checks out. That's, you know, I have a, I have a kinship with her. Neither of our hips lie. And so, you know, that's the thing. <sighs> well, in the any case, folks, now you know exactly what Riley would do. 
Uh, let us know what you would do on social media. Maybe you would go get a paw print, uh, a paw print popsicle or the like if you went to Zootopia. But uh, in any case, folks, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for enjoying these pitches. And hopefully you'll join us again on our next episode. But until then, I am Kyle Ott. And I am Riley Parks. Thank Take- you again, folks. We'll catch you soon. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.